Blessings, Miracles, and Peace to you today. I am Reverend Rick, also known as the Collard Carpenter, and today we have a chapter of my book, In Him Who Created, and this chapter is entitled, Encountering Evil. I have been asked to share some of my story to help you come to realize the meaning of Christ in our life. Everyone has a story, and being willing to share that story comes at a price. People can discount your story, they can accept your story, or they can choose to not to even listen. So how do I know that God exists? I know that God exists because I know that evil exists. If only evil existed, then why would any good exist? Each and every day, you can look at the good in your life for the blessings given to you by the creator of the heavens and the earth. But if you notice the difficulties and the struggles, they go with our day-to-day -day lives, then some questions how can there be a creator of good and evil? So let me share an experience with you. Many years ago, I used to counsel children and their families. I had one mother present with her teenage daughter and ask me to fix her. I often invited the parents and family into the counseling sessions but she wanted no part of that. The young girl presented pasty white, wearing sunglasses into the office. She asked if I could dim the lights in the office and close the blinds from the window. I wasn't certain if she had a medical condition that necessitated this request, so I agreed. Once the room was to her liking, she came to share with me that she was a vampire. I inquired what it meant for her to be a vampire, since so much of the popular media was focused on vampires and werewolves and spells of the day. Her sunglasses came off, and she told me of the need to suck blood from others to give her energy. She said that without blood's endless energy, she grew weak. She came to tell me that her friends would let her cut on them and suck their blood. I was intrigued. Never before had I had a vampire present in a counseling session. Over the course of the hour, she proceeded to tell me of her interests, school dealings, and difficulties at home and she agreed to return for another session. Over the course of the year, the on-again, off-again relationship with the vampire client changed. She came to reveal that not only was she into vampirism, but that she could also read auras, move things, and much more. Inquisitively, I asked her to read my aura, 
Now, for those of you that don't know, an aura is an energy field that New Age mystics say reveals your demeanor and your spiritual purpose while on earth. First, though, I silently prayed to God to please protect me and to not let anything happen with this crazy request. So as she began to read my blue aura, she looked at me, not inquisitively, but almost perturbed. Why are you blocking me? She asked. The reading and the session ended as she slumped back into her chair, becoming the non-responsive teenager she could be. As the counseling relationship continued, she related a time when she was with acquaintances from school to a church youth group meeting. They told her that they could pray over her and make things better. They knew that she dabbled in the dark arts and that Jesus could free her from the, her bondage of sin and death. Little did they know how powerful evil can be. She related that at the meeting, the youth pastor approached her and asked if she was willing to be prayed over. She agreed, and the teens circled up around her. They prayed, and she felt something. It felt weird, she said. Both hot and cold, tingling and numb. And then suddenly, she felt lashes on her back. Intense pain as though claws were scraping down her back. The pain was intense and she cried out and the teen stopped. Her friend looked at her back and red marks had appeared under her t-shirt. When I asked her about how she was after that experience, she related that she felt tired and drained, needing to find a friend to suck their blood, and that, of course, she would never return there again. I reassured her that this counseling space would never be like that, and I wasn't here to excise anything. Then it happened. Scarier than any Halloween or horror movie could portray. Her demeanor changed. Her facial expressions diminished. Her eyes shone a dark tone of black. And she looked directly at my soul. Her vocal intonations and speech patterns changed. That cross on the wall doesn't bother me. But those beads in your pocket? No, no, she said. I will never forget those words. The wooden cross on the wall in the counseling office was a gift from a client. It wasn't a crucifix with a corpus of Jesus Christ, just a simple hand-hewn mesquite cross but I had never told her that I carried a rosary in my pocket. I had never told her that I believed that the gift of the rosary 
given to us by the Virgin Mary was a weapon against evil and sin. That the rosary was a set of prayers to reflect on the life of Jesus Christ. I hesitantly asked for clarification, and all I got was this stare of contempt. I asked hesitantly, who is speaking? And she spoke a name that I will never retell to this day. I tried to question her about the name, instead referring back to an Old Testament figure, and she corrected me again by saying her name. I reassured her I wasn't here to exercise anyone, but the session ended. As she quickly left, I opened my laptop to search for that demon's name. I came to find out this wasn't just any demon, but according to Jewish tradition, this is one of the highest ranking demons serving Satan. Just as in heaven there are archangels and powers and dominions and seraphim, the devil also has ranks of demons. I instantly knew this was seriously beyond my expertise. I went running instantly to our local Roman Catholic priest. Father, where is your book of blessings, that one that has the house blessings, I asked. Why, he responded. Let me just say I had an encounter with a demon in a counseling session today. Ah, second shelf on the left, and he pointed it out to me. I grabbed the book and a container of holy water and hurried home. So how do I break this to my wife, I thought as I drove home. Hi, honey. We need to bless the house, because I just encountered a demon at the office. That's exactly what I did. She looked at me in sheer terror and got defensive and speculative. I reassured her that if we bless the house, nothing can happen to us. God is mightier than evil, and he conquered it once. He can do it again. So we went around the house, blessing each room, the windows, the doors. We covered everything in holy water and prayers. After dinner, I reassured my wife that I would never see this client again and refer her out if she came back. That night, though, I was suddenly awoken. I peered at the bedside clock, and it read 3 a.m., I heard it again, and my heart skipped a beat. It was a loud, thundering beating at the front door. The booming thuds echoed down the hallway. My wife was still fast asleep as I crept slowly down the long hallway leading to the front door. In my fearfulness, I was happy that I had left the front porch light on as the dim light shone down the hallway from the glass insert in the door. I prayed so fervently for protection at this point. 
I questioned why I had allowed myself to go even this far with the client in session, and why I didn't refer her earlier. As I rounded the corner and peered through the glass in the door, no one was at the front door. I thanked God instantly at that moment for protection and tried to soothe myself to go back to sleep. The next day I called the mom to figure out a referral. The problem was being in a small town, there wasn't anyone on their insurance to help. I spoke frank with the mom about the need for more than counseling and would she even consider an exorcism. I knew of the neighboring large town that had a group that handled circumstances like this, and I reassured her it wasn't like the Hollywood movies and it might take a few times, but they no longer come to people's houses for a reason. You have to go to a Roman Catholic church. She wouldn't hear of it. Even though she really wasn't practicing her Baptist faith, her mom, the matriarch of the family, wouldn't allow it. She related that they would figure out something else. Mom called back two weeks later. She needed an appointment today. Unfortunately, it's just myself in the office and I was booked until tomorrow. She related that wouldn't work and she needed it today. She couldn't handle it anymore and she was ready to abandon her daughter after everything that had happened. She had related that she had taken her daughter to a local prominent televangelist church for help. She was able to get an appointment with the assistant pastor, his son. When they presented, he asked that only the daughter come into his office. Not ten minutes later, the door opened. Her despondent daughter emerged. The pastor told the mother in no uncertain terms, Don't you ever come back and bring your daughter here again. It was never discussed what happened, but then the occurrences started increasing. Mom was fearful for her younger daughter's life and for her own. Her vampire eldest daughter was growing more and more agitated and started saying threats against them. When I inquired, she broke down in tears on the phone and wouldn't elaborate only murmuring, this all started before she was born. Mom related that her ex-husband was into all things demonic. He was a higher up in ranks black priest and used her in his plans. She related that they never had intercourse, but he incantated a spell and performed a ritual over her. She became pregnant, and her daughter, from day one, was different. At times, she would see her daughter's eyes grow deep, tonal shades of black or red. Books would fly off the bookshelves, and other things would happen. 
she feared to continue with this man. And so she moved out and in with another man, only to continue in an abusive relationship. The man finally left in the night because of the daughter, even though they had a new child together. Mom struggled as a single parent, finally taking up residence with her mother and her two daughters. She related she would never provoke her eldest daughter and let her do whatever she wanted, whenever she wanted, and with whomever she wanted. But now mom wanted out. Her youngest daughter, spiritually choked by her vampire daughter, and they needed to leave town immediately. Unfortunately, I had another client patiently waiting for their session. I apologized and I told her I would call her right back after all this. All during the session, I was distracted thinking, how would I explain this to the local sheriff and CPS? When the session ended, I quickly called before my next appointment and no answer. I texted her. Have you ever considered a rosary for protection? She texted back, I don't understand. I thought back, well, maybe being kind of Baptist, she doesn't know what a rosary is or can do. So I typed it again in capitals. R-O-S-A-R-Y, rosary. The words she typed back made my stomach drop. It scrambled in no sense, she said. I quickly texted back, is she there with you? Yes. Go outside then. I called her, and the call went through. She related to me, whatever word that was that you typed, it was just letters, numbers, and symbols. It didn't make any sense. My heart started pounding. I told her I typed the word rosary and asked if she knew what that was. She just started in that she was leaving town with her mom and her youngest daughter and to abandon her eldest daughter to whom to live with whomever she wanted or her friends. I pleaded with her to call the group regarding the exorcism. She said no, politely. And she thanked me for trying. Fast forward years later, and I was in a home improvement store. It was nearing Halloween, so all the decorations were up front to buy. As I peered from the garden section to the front desk, there she was, working. I was too far away for her to see me, but I saw her. I froze in place and decided how I would exit without her seeing me. With that thought, she never looked my way. She quietly left her register and walked towards a Halloween display across the aisle. It was the demonic ghoul that held a bucket of candy. As she took a piece of candy, it snickered out a witch's cackle. 
a cackle that I can still hear that echoes in my soul. But what pierced my soul was the smirk as she unraveled her candy and walked back to her register. She knew I was there, and I knew it was still with her. To this day, I can't watch scary movies. I detest Halloween and what it's become. I carry my rosary everywhere with me. Yet, even though I know evil exists, I also know God's power and plans are greater. So, shout out to Miranda for asking me to read the chapter of this book, Encountering Evil, on air, so that she could go ahead and share this with others. Rather than her telling the story, she wanted to come directly from my lips and from my experience. It used to be a story that I would share with others and with teens around a campfire or in whatever experience necessary so that they could understand that evil truly does exist. Evil exists for one purpose only. It is to keep us separated from God forever. Evil exists for us to question our faith and our choices. Evil exists that it is one of those experiences that scars us and leaves us doubting. And unfortunately today, many people discount evil discount the name of Satan, discount that there are demons present, looking, searching, and devouring our souls. So what are we to do? It is one of those experiences that hopefully now rings in your heart that you need to get things right. You need to make choices that are right. Not right with yourself. Not right with your spouse or partner. But right with God. He called us to do certain things. He called us to put him first, to worship him alone, to trust in him and his plan. But how often in our humanists we don't do that? How often in our individualism that we discount what's out there and only count on what's in here? So, today, 
I offer this story more than a story and experience so that you know that you need to change. We all need to change. We are all sinners. We all make mistakes. But Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, came to life, human life, so that we might have an eternity in paradise forever. He didn't claim to be a prophet. He claimed to be God and God alone. He worked miracles, cured people, cleansed them of the demonic, and set them free. He said, repent, change, and follow me. He didn't kill the demons right then and there, even though God can do everything. No. He left a consequence for the demons. A consequence that is an eternal damnation of fire forever. An eternal damnation of separation from God and God's love forever. See, they chose to be separated from him. They are the fallen angels. And now we have a choice to choose him or to be with the fallen angels. And after the experience of evil and seeing it present, just a glimpse, I don't want that for myself. I don't want that for my family or even for you that I don't even know. I wouldn't want that evil upon anyone today, tomorrow, or forever. So if you have questions about any of this, if you don't know how to change or what to change, or you question faith, or you question spirituality, or you question anything, reach out. Ask questions. And start to pray. That is the way that you communicate with God.
that is the way in the end that he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome to paradise. Blessings, miracles, and peace to you today. God love y'all and have a wonderful week.